Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. The portion of God's Word that's going to serve as the basis for our sermon this morning comes from the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 34. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. This is the word of our God. Praise be to you, O Christ. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep the main thing, the main thing. That's what head coach Kirby Smart said to his football team, the Georgia Bulldogs, after they won the Southeastern Conference Championship, the SEC Championship, back on December 2nd, 2018. After the team won for the first time in over a decade, after that win gave them their first berth into the college football playoff, after that win gave them an invitation to the Rose Bowl for the first time since 1942, in just only Coach Kirby Smart's second season, that was his message to the team. Now, if you're staring at me because you don't care about college football and you wonder about all that stuff that I just said, that's okay. Here's all you need to know. A football team won a game and it was a big deal. And it resulted in a big challenge. You see, the Georgia Bulldogs won a game on December 2nd. Their next game, their first playoff game, was 30 days later on January 1st, 2017. Now, it is not in too many sports, if any sports, where you have that kind of gap in a team sport in between your last regular season game and your first playoff game. And this was a really big challenge in particular because think of a couple factors. First of all, you know, this is over the holidays. There's this thing called Christmas. Also, there's this thing called the signing deadline where the new players coming in 
deserve a lot of the coaches' attention. So the coaches aren't focused on the next game. On top of that, the old players, the players that are graduating, some of them going to the NFL, they're thinking about their future in the NFL, maybe not so much their next game. On top of that, I mentioned Christmas. There's also this thing called semester exams for these student athletes. Oh, and they have to travel from Georgia to Pasadena, California for this game. There was a lot of distractions, a big challenge, distractions over 30 days. So what were they gonna do? Well, this is what the coaching staff and Coach Kirby Smart came up with. That they were gonna keep a simple message ever before their team. Keep the main thing the main thing. Whether you are at practice, lifting weights, or you're in the classroom, or you're traveling and relaxing with friends and family, keep the main thing the main thing. We're in the second week of a sermon series called The Church God Wants. What we're doing is not asking the question, what kind of church would you like to go to? Because we know that very often, our preferences, our personalities, our interests, well, they may be in conflict with what God says a healthy church should be doing. And this is God's church, not our church. This is a church that, that our Savior bought with his own blood. And so we're examining the very simple idea, what kind of church does God want? What kind of activities, what kind of characteristics does God want to see in his church? And very simply, very clearly, God has the same message for his, for his team that Kirby Smart had for his, sort of. God says to his church, keep the main thing the main thing. What we're going to do this morning is unpack that theme by looking at three questions. First of all, what is the main thing? Secondly, maybe an obvious question, but it deserves our attention. Why should we? Why should we keep the main thing the main thing? Other than it sounds really cool to say, what's the relevance? What's the point? And thirdly, again, it sounds good, but how do you actually do that? How do you keep the main thing the main thing? Those are the three questions we're gonna unpack. So let's start with the first. I said that our message this morning, our sermon is gonna be based on the Old Testament lesson, Exodus 34, but very quickly, what I want to do is take a look at the other lessons that we read for today and see the main thing in each Romans and Matthew's gospel. In Romans, the apostle Paul says this, the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who has, will ascend into heaven, that is bring Christ down, or who will descend into deep, that is bring Christ up. In other ways, righteousness that is a gift, righteousness that is yours by faith, doesn't say, I'm going to do something to earn to get God close to me. I'm going to do some kind of work to get God close to me. But this is what it says. The word is near you. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That, that is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You see what Romans chapter 10 is saying. How is it that you get righteousness? It's not about by finding God in the deep places or in the high places, by you finding God and, and bringing him near you. No, it's the word. 
It's the word that God has given you. It's the word that God has given you that proclaims to you a message that Christ Jesus was crucified for the sins of the world, and that includes yours, and God raised him up from the dead for your eternal life. That word proclaims the gospel, and that word that proclaims the good news about Christ, that's what saves you. What's the main thing? It's the gospel. It's the good news about Christ. That's Romans. Here's what Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the reason of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. What's Jesus saying the main thing is? It's a confession. It's Peter's confession that wasn't revealed to him by flesh and blood. It wasn't revealed to him by his own intelligence or discovery or own wisdom. It was revealed to him by the Spirit. The Spirit of the Most High God gave him the gift, the gift of faith to profess with his mouth, believe in his heart, what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, what about this? He said, on that, on that confession, I'm going to set the foundation of my church and raise it up. What's the main thing? What's the main thing that's been the main thing since Jesus walked this earth? It's been the good news about who he is. All right, so you get it. The main thing is the gospel. And we haven't even gotten to our sermon lesson today. So you might be wondering why why start here? Well, three things. First, I wanted you to see that when we talk about the main thing in scripture, I wanted you to see from scripture that this isn't Pastor just picking one thing out from a, you know, somewhat obscure Old Testament Exodus lesson that that's the main point there. No, the main thing is the main thing from Jesus, the apostles, and all the prophets. Second thing I wanted you to see from scripture is this, is that the main thing is not just been the main thing since Jesus talked about it, or since the apostles went out throughout Jerusalem and Galilee and to the ends of the world until they started going on mission trips. That's when the main thing became the main thing. No, what I wanted you to see is this, that from before Christ came incarnate, Christ was promised and the main thing was the main thing and the foundation of the church since the time of Moses for all times. This has been what God wants his church to be about. It's the second thing I wanted you to see. And here's the third. I wanted the main thing to not just something you, you, heard, you heard about this morning. I wanted the main thing that is the message of Christ crucified for you for the forgiveness of your sins to be the thing that takes root in your heart. You see, very easily a, a church can talk about the gospel, but not actually preach the gospel. Very easily, we could talk all about the who, the what, the when of the gospel without actually proclaiming the gospel. So what I wanted to do now is just, well, 
let you sit and gaze upon the good news of our Lord, to, to just rest in it as God himself proclaims it to you in Exodus 34. This is what God says. Listen as he tells us about the main thing himself. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. What is the main thing? It's the name of the Lord. It's the name of the Lord which tells us everything about who he is. Who is your God? Who is the Lord? He is compassionate. He is someone who knows you by name. Your God is someone who knows your every need. Your God is someone who knows your wants, your desires, and your sufferings. Your God is someone who is so compassionate, he doesn't just know and feel about it. He is actually one who is able to do something about it and who came to suffer for you. He wasn't just familiar with your pain in an experiential sense that, yeah, I've, I've been there before, I know all things. No, he is the one who came and was so compassionate that he took on your suffering for you that is your God. He is compassionate. He's gracious. That word and, and that word alone in the Hebrew language is used to describe God, that he is one who is characterized by grace. He is full of grace. Grace is his essential quality. It's who he is. He is an unobligated giver who gave to undeserving people, you and me, unconditional acceptance. This is who your God is. And this is most clearly seen in Christ that he didn't have to send his son, except he did because this is who he has told you he is. He is gracious. He is the one who's not obligated, but gives unconditional acceptance to you and me, even though we don't deserve it. Who is this God? He's one who is slow to anger. He's one that doesn't fly off the handle. He's one, yeah, we're going to read about it. He does not like sin, but he doesn't have a short fuse. He doesn't let you feel his wrath first. He's patient. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to know the good news about him. He's patient. He is long-suffering. He's going to endure, endure all things for you. Who is your God? Well, his name is the main thing. He's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He doesn't have just a little bit of love. He doesn't just love you to a point. No, he loves you when you are unlovable. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. First John chapter four. God is abounding in love and he's abounding in faithfulness. When you are faithless, God is faithful. He's not just a little bit faithful, like to a point, you've tested me, now I'm done. I've had enough of you. You've gone too far this time. No, you can count on him. You can count on him. You can trust him. You can believe in him. You can have confidence in him. You can have confidence that he will always be faithful to you, to himself. He will always be to you a God who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Who is your God? Who is your God? How, how is it that we relate to him? At the center of all things, what our God wants us to see is that he's someone who loves sinners. He loves sinners like you and me. And he's someone who loves to forgive sinners like you and me. This is your God. Yes, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. But listen, listen, even this is good news for you. He doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. He is just. He is going to punish sin. He's going to punish all those who do not look to him in faith. And you say, well, how's this good news? Here's how it's good news for you. Anyone or anything that has caused evil or harm or sin to you, God's got it. God doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. Vengeance is his, is what he says. You can rest in that, that God's got it. And you say, well, what, but what about me? I mean, I, I do guilty things. and Is he going to punish me? No, he doesn't leave sin unpunished. But he gave that punishment to someone who took it away for you. The punishment that our sins deserve, it was on Christ. It was on a spotless lamb who was led to the slaughter and didn't make a peep about it so that it would be taken away. This is who your God is. What is the main thing? It is the gospel. It is this. It is his name. It is everything that he reveals to us about himself, who he is, that he is a God who chooses to relate to us. How? In some mystery, in some kind of like way that we don't understand or we can't discover? No, no, no. He is clear. He is concise. He tells you, this is who I am. And this is how you know me. I am the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving sins, and yet not leaving the guilty unpunished. That is who I am for you. And that is good news. And that's the main thing. So now why, why do we need to talk about keeping the main thing the main thing? Well, you probably are sitting there going, Pastor, we know Jesus is the main thing. The gospel is the main thing. Do, do we really need a whole Sunday and a whole sermon about the main thing. Like we know that already. This is not something that we should take for granted because churches all over our country, all over the world, all throughout history, they get distracted. Think about this. Should 
Should we take those things that happen in the world and should we make them the main focus of our ministry? Churches often talk about compassion ministry. Is that something that we should care about? Care about caring. Should we care about those who are without homes or food? Should we shelter the homeless and and feed the hungry? Should Should we visit and be with those who are sick and grieving? Absolutely. But should that be the main thing? No, 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 all these things, they, they should in fact be a thing in the church and that the church does, but they should be something that is a thing from which, well, we go after we know the main thing is the main thing. Too often what happens, and, and this is the fourth one, this is the fourth one that, that is a distraction. Churches care about spiritual formation and disciplines of disciples. Are these things that we should care about? Being people who grow in their faith, who do the right thing, who act like disciples. Yes, yes, we should care about the laws of God. We should care about growing in maturity in Christ and Christian character. But is that the main thing? No. And yet, because of our inward bent towards always wanting to do something to attribute to our salvation, to, to, to follow laws more perfectly or more carefully, to be able to judge people by how well they do the Christian thing or don't do the Christian thing. So often what happens is that it becomes the main thing. But the law, doing what God says, is not the main thing. The main thing that we need to keep the main thing is the gospel. So, so often there's so many distractions that can take our eyes off the main thing. Maybe, maybe as I went through that list, you could say, oh, good thing that's not our church. Good thing that's just other churches. But this isn't a sermon about other churches or for them. It's a sermon for us. So what does God have here for us? The way. Think about this church, six years young, that has been blessed by God. God has been good to us because, of course, he can be nothing else. He has given us gifts. He has given us gifts most notably in what are his prized possession, people. People have come and and gathered together around his word. And then people have, have grown in faith and godly living. People have grown to know their gifts and, and serve God and use their gifts. But there's a, there's a special, well, there's a special warning in Exodus for a church like ours. Because you see, the church in Exodus, they were doing pretty well also. Here's what's going on in Exodus. You think about what's, what's gone on since, since God came and through the power of the Most High demonstrated his incredible might and brought the people out of Egypt. Oh, the people had seen the power of God in the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. What's more, they had seen God's provision in the fact that he provided water and food for them everywhere they went. You could see God's goodness in the way he provided people, people to lead them, not just Moses or Aaron or Joshua, but elders and and this nation of people was cared for and grew. You could see all this. 
God even laid out plans for them for a ministry center. They called it the tabernacle. He laid this out through half the book of Exodus. And he said, this is gonna be yours. You're gonna stop doing this setup thing all of the time. You're gonna have a, have a place at least here in the desert for some time that I'm gonna make for you. And then what happened? Well, maybe, maybe you caught it. Maybe you caught it in verse one of what we read. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. And I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. What happened? God gave to Israel the 10 commandments on two stone tablets. And then Moses came down from Mount Sinai. And he saw Israel that had been blessed by God in so many ways, this church so good in what they had. There they were, they were, they were worshiping a golden calf. They had, they had really coaxed their leaders, Aaron and others, to say, hey, build us something like other nations that we can worship and we can, we can see it. We can just see it here because we don't see God forgetting about his blessings. What happened? After all of the goodness that God had shown to Israel, they got distracted. Can it happen? It can happen. It can happen just like that. That God's people, that God's church, it can get distracted from keeping the main thing, the main thing. So what do you do? What do you do if, if, may God forbid, this church has its golden calf moment? There's moral failure. Moral failure by a group of people or some leaders or some people leave because of moral failure or some leaders leave. What are you gonna do? Keep the main thing, the main thing. What if the opposite happens? What if instead of that, what if people instead gather together around God's word and they grow, they grow in their faith and they have this robust faith that, that knows their God first and foremost and also is excited to serve him. And you see leaders just grow and grow and grow in faith and godly living. What are you gonna do? Is that, is that gonna change things? Or will this church keep the main thing, the main thing? I mean, what happens this scenario? Someone comes to the church and they don't like that the church does X, Y, or Z, and they'd prefer their old experience where they had A, B, and C, and they leave. Oh wait, what if not just one person leaves? What if like 20 families, half this church just leaves? What are you gonna do? Keep the main thing, the main thing. What if the opposite occurs? What, what, is, what if someone comes and they just love absolutely everything that you do as a church and they just tell you how awesome and wonderful this church is? That's gonna change things. If it's not just one, maybe, what if 20 families do that? What are you gonna do? Keep the main thing, the main thing. Let me ask you this. We have plans laid out for a ministry center. What if it implodes? <laughs> What if ministry-wise, it's just not the thing that we thought it would be to serve the community? What if financially, we bit off more than we can chew? Plans don't come to fruition. 
What are you going to do? Keep the main thing, the main thing. What if it doesn't implode, but what if it explodes? <laughs> what if it actually works? What if, instead of all that, we actually get to serve more people with the good news of God's word from that place? And what if, on top of it being a really good thing missionally, also financially, we get to be wise and faithful stewards of a, of a feasible way of doing ministry? What are you going to do? Keep the main thing, the main thing. Do you see why God, God tells his church then and now to keep the main thing, the main thing? It's because God knows, here's it, there are so many distractions. There are so many distractions that God is, is well aware of that Satan is gonna put in front of the church that's gonna come from within the church because we're sinner saints to keep our focus off the main thing. He knows we're like Israel. We're, we're stiff-necked people. We're people who think constantly that we can write the better rules for how a church should be done. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And real briefly, finish up. How, how do we do that? How do we keep the main thing, the main thing? Two things. The first is this. Grow to know the main thing grow to know the main thing. You personally, us collectively, we cannot tire of growing to know the gospel more fully, more deeply. Gaze on this, just gaze on this, that your God is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. Just rest in this, just rest in this, that he is in to forgiving sinners. Just rest in that news that your God doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. No, he takes care of that and he's taking care of you. He has forgiven all of your sins. Ask yourself, where do you find your identity? Is it in your performance of moral things, your ability to fix social issues? Where's your identity? Does it flow from keeping the main thing, the main thing that you know that you have a God who has come near to you? He, he didn't make you go to heaven to find him or go to the deep to bring him out. No, he descended into our weakness, into our sin, into our mess. And he says, you are mine and I have brought you near to me. Gaze on this, rest in it, find your identity in it. Grow to know the main thing. That's how you keep the main thing, the main thing, first of all. But finally, the last one, go and show the main thing. Go and, and show the main thing. That's how you keep the main thing, the main thing. God ended this way to Moses. He said, Lord, if I had found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never for, before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord God, do for you. Go and show. Go and show the main thing. We read Romans chapter 15 or uh, 10 earlier and, and verses 15 talk about how you have it. 
You have the main thing. It is the word. It is in your mouth. It is near you. You want to know what 16 and 17 go on to say? Well, they go on to say this. They say, how can people call on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one they haven't heard about? And how can they hear without someone proclaiming to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Friends, you have beautiful feet. If you have good news, you have the main thing. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. You have the word. And how can others have it? And how can others keep the main thing the main thing if you don't go and show it? That's how we keep the main thing the main thing. You want to know what happened in uh, Georgia's next playoff win? They had to wait 30 days. They had to deal with all sorts of distractions. Trigger warning for Oklahoma fans here. But in double overtime, Georgia won. You think about that. You don't have to know a thing about football to know this, that it's challenging to, to wait to reap the fruits of your labor. You got to deal with all sorts of stuff, distractions in the meantime. They had 30 days of it. They had, a, they had a really tough game of it, four quarters and two overtimes. Sometimes it's like that for the church, isn't it? There's so many distractions. There's so many things in your life personally, you know it. In our lives as, as a church collectively, it's hard to keep the main thing the main thing to keep the gospel center stage in our hearts, in our lives, as a church. But that is when we know this, that our God comes to us and he proclaims his name. I am the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving their wickedness, yet I don't leave the guilty unpunished. This is the main thing. May God grant that we keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. 